0: Hard to find the Ever heard that song before? (laughs) Have you? Yeah? I mean, have you heard that song, Mom? Yeah, I didn't know if you would. (laughs) Unless you're my mom or totally out of touch with the 1990s, you know uh, that that song, Smells Like Teen Spirit, really defined a generation. It was written and performed by 24-year-old Kurt Cobain. The album was Nevermind. Sold 10 million copies, and Cobain made something like $550 million. Cobain spoke for hundreds of millions of young people in the United States of America when he sang, I feel stupid and contagious. Here we are now, entertain us. You know, Kurt Cobain had all the sex and drugs and alcohol he wanted. He, he had all the power and influence that he wanted. Power, money, fame, entertainment, licentiousness, avarice, the lifestyle of Las Vegas, and Sodom. And how do you feel? about Kurt Cobain. Are you jealous? Do you think he should be punished? (laughs) Or both? You're jealous, and so you'd like him to be punished, you know? (laughs) So he didn't have any more fun than you. Genesis 18, verse 1. From our uh, last sermon in Genesis, and I'm, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna wear glasses. From our last sermon in Genesis, you'll remember that in chapter 18, three men come to visit Abraham and Sarah. Uh, three men that are also angels or messengers, and, and one of them, no, I'm not, one of them, uh, one of them is, addresses the Lord. He's the God-man. Well, they inform Abraham and Sarah that the promised one will soon be born. Then, verse 16. Then the men set out from there and they looked down toward Sodom. When I say the word Sodom, what comes to mind? Probably all sorts of things, right? They looked down towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. All the nations. (laughs) Well, that would include Sodom. And that's what the Lord is telling him. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him for I have Chosen him, literally, I have known him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave. I will go down to see whether they have done according to the outcry that has come to me. Literally in the Hebrew, to see if they have made a complete end. There's an end to their sin. To see if they have made a complete end, and if not, I will know. I will go down to Sodom. I'll get close. And I'll see. Well, what was the sin of Sodom? I hope you won't get offended at what I'm going to show you. I'm just asking the question, what was the sin of Sodom? Was it this? But I thought it was about time Fred met my friends on the Sodomobile. Well, we brought along, you know, some of our friends who are traveling across the country, uh, so you could talk to them. This is our Sodomobile. They'd like you to come on board and give it a shot. Don't get too close. We'll have to call the police on so, you. Yeah, the freedom of this country. <laughs> I thought it was time for a free and open exchange of ideas. You guys are headed straight for hell in a faggot's handbasket. And There's no need to get this close. Well, I'm sorry about the word he used. But I mean, really, that's nothing compared to the theology that he used. That was Pastor Fred Phelps in the Westboro Baptist Church having a run-in with Michael Moore and his Sodom Mobile. Now, I did a lot of editing, but did you see some of those signs? God still hates. They'll burn in hell. The first one said this, you are of your father the devil, John eight forty four. 44. I mean, that's kind of an interesting verse for them to put on a sign. Because in John 8, John isn't speaking to a group of professing homosexuals. He's actually speaking to a group of religious people that appear to be really ticked off that he just forgave a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Well, some think the sin of Sodom was what we call sodomy. And it's clear in the next chapter that something like that is what the men of Sodom want from these two angel messenger guys and yet they also appear to want Lot's daughters. So you see, it wasn't simply what they wanted, but that they wanted to take whatever they wanted. And that's rape. Sodomy is actually an English word, not a biblical word. The Bible uses the word arsenikoites, for acts of male homosexuality but it really has nothing to do with the word sodomy. When scripture spells out the sin of sodomy, this is actually what it says, okay, listen to this. This is Exodus 16, verse 49, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. Excess of food and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. They were arrogant, haughty, and committed an abomination before me. They were proud. And so they took what wasn't theirs to take, took it for themselves. In the next chapter, Uh, When the men of Sodom bang on Lot's door, uh, they say this, bring out the men, the, the angel men, that we might know them, that we might know them. I mean, that's an interesting way to say it, isn't it? Does it remind you of anything, Eve? Take knowledge, Eve. Take, 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 take the fruit of knowledge. Check this out. God knows Abraham and its righteousness, justice, and blessing. Eve and the Sodomites take knowledge and it's evil. It's pride. Well, the lifestyle of Sodom is taking whatever you want. So like I was asking, are you jealous of Sodom? Jealous of those who can just take whatever they want. Jealous of... The self-indulgent, rich and powerful, constantly entertained. Are you jealous of Kurt Cobain? I feel stupid and contagious. Here we are now, entertain us. And I forget just why I taste. Oh yeah, I guess it makes me smile. I I find it hard. It's hard to find. Oh oh, well, whatever. Never mind. April 5th, 1994. 1994. According to the coroner, Kurt Cobain stuck a shotgun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Are you jealous of him? Do you think he should be punished? Or do you have compassion on 24-year-old Kurt Cobain? Now, I know what some of you are are thinking. You're thinking, hey, Pete, not every self-indulgent rock star gets depressed, sticks a gun in his mouth, and pulls the trigger. That's that's right. I think Kurt Cobain was extra sensitive to reality. 1 Timothy 5, 6, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Dead while she lives, but she must not know it. Ephesians 419, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality. You know, an addict denies their own addiction and traps themselves in hell, a living death, a denial, a denial, a denial, a denial. And you see, I think Kurt Cobain kind of saw it. And so do you have compassion? Compassion. Julian of Norwich wrote this, uh, the medieval mystic. She wrote, I was shown no harder hell than sin because for a well-natured soul, there is no hell but sin. Sin is the sharpest scourge that any chosen soul can be struck with. You know, if you've ever really seen your sin, which I think I have maybe on two occasions in my life, if ever you've really seen your sin, you know it's hell, and you just want to get rid of it. Bernard Shaw defines hell like this. Hell is where you must do what you want to do. And that would mean Kurt Cobain and the men of Sodom, whose iniquity had reached completion, were not really in danger of going to hell. Why? Because they were already in it. So if you're jealous of them, perhaps you're jealous of hell or maybe you're in it somehow. The Old Testament word that gets translated as hell is Sheol. It, It begins here. Even if it extends into the grave, Sheol is the grave, the deep, the pit, the abyss. And get this, that's where Sodom was located. At the very lowest point on the entire face of our planet, the deepest valley, the deepest part of a valley that runs from Mozambique to Syria, the great rift valley where the continental plates are literally being wrenched apart and the valley floor is dropping into the depths of the earth. Sodom was located 1,385 feet below sea level on the, on the southern banks of the Dead Sea somewhere out on that plain. That's the valley floor. I took that picture from the ancient fortress of Masada a few years ago. Well, God tells Abraham that he's gonna overthrow Sodom. No, I don't think that God is threatening Sodom with living death. And I don't think that God is threatening Sodom with hell. God is threatening death and hell with consuming fire, eternal fire, himself. You know, in the Old Testament, people try to hide in Sheol, hell, to escape the fire. Yet one day, the whole earth will be flooded with fire and glory. Well, about 4,000 years ago, with a flood of fire, the Lord was fixing to destroy a family of the earth. And yet the Lord had known Abraham that in him, quote, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Get the picture? The two angel guys turn and go towards Sodom, and Abraham stands in the way of the Lord, the Lord God. Wow. That's, that's big. Then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? You know, Abraham doesn't doubt that wickedness needs to be destroyed. And if you've ever encountered a group of people Saturated with wickedness, I mean murder and rape and constant self-indulgence. You know that annihilation can just appear to be the greatest of mercy. But Abraham asks about the righteous, about the good, about preserving what is good. You know, man, we learned in the start of Genesis is dust. He's dust and ashes, but contains the breath of God. And isn't the breath of God good? Well, Abraham starts to argue with the Lord God. You know, many of you were taught that God made a large group of men, perhaps most men, so that he could demonstrate his justice by punishing them forever in hell without end. And that seemed unjust to you. And so you began to argue. And so people said to you, who are you to question God? Well, maybe you're the seed. (laughs) The seed of Abraham, a child of Abraham. Because listen to this, verse 24. Abraham says, suppose that there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous farest the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what's just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. (laughs) That's kind of a wild thought, huh? that he'll spare the wicked for the sake of the righteous. And and get this, God is into saving groups, even nations. It's like God and Abraham know that any truly righteous person uh, could not be happy in heaven knowing that his neighbor, whom he loved, was forever tormented in hell. Abraham wants wickedness destroyed. He doesn't want any more of it. He wants wickedness destroyed, and yet he wants all of Sodom to be saved. Verse 27, Abraham answered and said, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said again, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord get angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And God answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. But I don't think the Lord is angry. I think the Lord is tickled pink over the strength of his breath and the dust and ashes that he has named Abraham, father of nations. Oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. What if just ten are numbered with the transgressors? And God answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place." You know, people wonder, why did Abraham stop at 1 or at 10? I mean, why didn't he proceed on to 1? Some people say it's because 10 was the smallest Israelite social unit. I wonder, though, if Abraham just didn't have enough faith to believe that God would spare an entire nation for just one righteous man, because that would have to be one pretty incredible righteous man, right? Well, you know, even if he proceeded to one, I don't think the Lord would have found one, at least not that day. The prophets, the psalmists, Solomon, Paul, they all agree, none is righteous, no, not one. Jeremiah prophesies, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, see if you can find a man who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. Ezekiel prophesies, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Psalm 106, 23 says that Moses. Moses stood in the breach for Israel. The story is found in Exodus 32 and it's it's really an amazing picture if you study it. God is this unquenchable fire of righteousness that is love and he longs to dwell with us. He is the sun and we are like snowflakes (laughs) that he longs to hold. And so we must dwell in the sanctuary, the temple in Israel behind the wall so we will not be incinerated by glory. So when Moses stands in the breach, he protects Israel from the fire that is God. Exodus 32, Moses, he argues with God like Abraham argued with God. In fact, God told Moses, he said, look, Moses, I'll just kill all of them and I'll make a nation out of you, just you, Moses. But Moses says to God, forgive them, God, or you can blot me out of your book. I don't want to be saved unless they're saved with me. Romans 9, listen to St. Paul, he writes, I could wish that I myself were accursed, goddamned, and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen by race. And now he's talking about the folks that crucified Jesus. Could you wish to lose your salvation for the sake of Kurt Cobain? How about self-indulgent rich people that don't care about anybody else? How about Michael Moore and the guys on the Sodomobile? Oh, how about Fred Phelps? Genesis eighteen thirty-three: The Lord went his way. <laughs> he, he's got this different kind of way. Next verse. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the town square, the two messengers said, and remember that there were three. But Lot pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. You know, Jesus said, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And you did it, as you did it not unto the least of these, you did it, did it not unto me. Well, Lot received them. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. They wanted to take knowledge. Like Eve took fruit from the tree of knowledge, like the religious leaders took our Lord's life on the tree in Jerusalem. You know, at the cross, we, we wanted to know about God, but not know God. I mean, we wanted his things, but not his heart. At the cross, we took knowledge of him by trying to kill him on the tree. And there's a word for that, isn't there? Verse six, Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and uh, do to them as you please. Now, you see, Lot is not exactly the paragon of virtue, is he? <laughs> All the women are like, yeah, the guy's screwed up. <laughs> and yet, God saves him uh, because of Abraham. God rescues Lot. Uh, The angels, uh, take them out of the city. Verse 23, the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. The fire came from heaven, maybe it is heaven. Maybe it's God. You know, Scripture says that our God is a consuming fire. And Scripture also says that the Lord alone has immortality, eternity. Jude 7 says, Sodom suffered the judgment of eternal fire. Revelation 20:14, listen to this. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. 21 uh, 4, and death shall be no more. Death shall be no more. But what about Sodom? You got a Bible. You know, Jesus clearly taught in several places that Sodom would be there on Judgment Day. And not only that, it would go better for Sodom on that day than for Capernaum, his hometown than for any town that rejected his gospel, his good news, and that would include Jerusalem. You know, I hear religious types like Fred Phelps ripping on uh, places like Sodom and into Sodomites as if Sodom was the worst byword in the book, And and I think, don't you read the book? Don't we religious people read the book? Do we religious types pay attention at all? (laughs) Or are we just too proud? Listen to Ezekiel 16. God is speaking to Jerusalem, his bride, his chosen, and this is what he said. Jerusalem, not only did you walk in their ways, and do according to their abominations. Within a very little time, you were more corrupt than they in all your ways. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Did you get that? There are sins that are worse than other sins, and Jerusalem's sins are worse than Sodom's. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food and prosperous seas, but did not aid the poor and the needy. They were arrogant and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Samaria has not committed half your sins. Samaria is Samaritans. We're talking about Sodomites and Samaritans, verse 53, and I will restore their fortunes, both the fortunes of Sodom and her daughters and the fortunes of Samaria and her daughters, and I will restore your own fortunes in their midst. Did you get that? God says, Jerusalem, I will redeem Sodom, and I will redeem Samaria, and then I will redeem you in their midst. Why? (laughs) In their midst, why? Next verse. That you may bear your disgrace and be ashamed of all that you have done, becoming a consolation to them. As for your sister Sodom and her daughters shall return to their former state. Samaria and her daughters shall return to their former state and you and your daughters shall return to your former state. Was not your sister Sodom a byword? Wasn't she? He says to Jerusalem, was not your sister Sodom a byword in your mouth in the day of your pride <laughs> before your wickedness was uncovered? Pride. Isn't that the sin of Sodom? Isn't that real sodomy, spiritual? Sodomy. And, and who is Jerusalem? Well, gosh, we're Jerusalem, right? Becoming the new Jerusalem. And so you're saved, but does it upset you that Sodom just might get saved? Why? That's a really, really great question. Why? Perhaps you don't have compassion for Sodom. Because secretly you're jealous of Sodom. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes I'm, I'm definitely jealous of, of Sodom. I mean, I'd like to indulge in all I want. Take all the power that I want. Take all the naked women that I want. Take all the drugs and alcohol I want. And yet all I want traps me. (laughs) And what I don't want, and that's hell. You see, I'm saying that when I'm jealous of Sodom, I'm jealous of hell. I may be a bit trapped in hell because I'm losing sight of heaven. Heaven is giving, not taking. It's being blessed and being a blessing. It's grace. Heaven is love. And God Himself is love. And God is the good. He's the good I really want. But can't take. And yet he gave. God saved me when I could not save myself when I was dead. God saved me when I was dead. That's grace. Perhaps you don't have compassion for Sodom. Because you think that you save yourself and you see that's not grace. So perhaps you don't have faith in grace, and God is grace, which means you don't have faith in God, so maybe you aren't saved, but trapped in hell, confusing hell with heaven. I mean, why would we want to put an end to grace? Why would we desire limits on love when God himself is love? Why wouldn't you want Sodom to be saved? Well, preacher, if Kurt Cobain and Sodom get saved, if sinners get saved, then why the hell am I being good? I mean, then you're telling me I was good for nothing. (laughs) Well, you see, if you thought that you were good for something, good for some reason well, then you weren't good for good. You were good for bad. Which means you were never good. In fact, you don't even love the good. You hate the good. You only use the good to get the bad. You use the good, and God is the good. You know, in Sodom, they used people to indulge themselves. It's called rape but in Jerusalem they used God in Sodom they take people for themselves in Jerusalem they take God and use him for their own purposes even hate they use God to get his stuff. They crucify the king in order to take his kingdom, but the kingdom without the king is not the kingdom of love, not the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of hell. Spiritual Sodom, even here, even now. Verse 60, yet, says God, I will remember my covenant with you, Jerusalem, in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you take your sisters, both your elder and your younger, and I give them to you as daughters but not on account of the covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded and never open your mouth again because of your shame. When I atone for you, for all that you have done, declares the Lord God. Jerusalem, when you see how I pay for your sin, you'll shut your mouth. And you'll receive your sisters. And then you will have compassion on Sodom. Have you ever seen how God has atoned for you? Well, this is how you will know, by how you treat your sisters. (laughs) Sodom, Kurt Cobain, self-centered rich people, the last and the least, how you treat Pharisees, even how you treat Fred Phelps, spiritual sodomites. I'm not, I really need to tell you, I'm not well studied in this area, but I do think the testimony of Scripture is that arsenikoites, sex between men, is a sin. But you see, there is a sin far worse than that than that, that we call sodomy, and that sin is despising sodomites, despising sinners, and that spiritual sodomy, it's taking grace as your own private possession. Well, Sodom is destroyed, and yet, Sodom is made new. Sodom is redeemed, according to Ezekiel. I don't know how else to read the scriptures. I mean, I really, I really don't. And if Sodom is redeemed, there's only one redeemer that would redeem him. There's only one way. If Sodom is redeemed, the God-man must have finally visited Sodom. And scripture tells us that he descended into hell. If, if Sodom is redeemed, the God-man must have finally journeyed to Sodom. Revelation 11, verse 8, reveals that Jerusalem, where our Lord was crucified, Jerusalem is spiritually named, truly named Sodom. Do you know that? And so you see, the seed of Abraham, the promised blessing, the God-man did journey to Sodom. From archeological evidence, the custom of the Roman stuff that we saw in Israel, it's very possible that when he did journey to Sodom, Jerusalem, he was raped. And yet we all demand to know him on our own terms. We demand to know him and refuse to be known by him. Every time we sin, we take the knowledge of the good and pound nails into the one who is good. We take and he gives. We rape and he loves. He journeyed to Sodom and was numbered with the transgressors, he is even the breath in our lungs crying, Abba, Father, forgive. That's how close he comes to us. Isaiah fifty-three, twelve: he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many, and he made intercession, crying, Abba, Father forgive Abraham Abraham stood in the breach and argued with God with minimal results (laughs) for there was not even one that was righteous Moses stood in the breach and argued with God even offering to sacrifice himself but with very limited results for not even Moses was righteous Paul offered to stand in the breach and argue and even be damned by God, but it wasn't necessary, (laughs) for it had already been done. This is the God-man, the seed of Abraham, being known by the people of Sodom, yet standing in the breach and interceding, arguing with God on your behalf. A shi aha! Ana Amal! Yerudhu min tsalva! Dinakaze wa neha-hamin! No shi! No shi! Did you see the sodomite? He was the one demanding to know. Come down that we might know. The evil and adulterous, key word, generation, seeks a sign. And did you see the sign? It's the sign of Jonah. That's his sign. And did you hear, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the seed of Abraham. And did you notice it was the thief preaching the gospel to the priest at the end? This is what he said. He prays for you. He prays for you. He intercedes for you. He stands in the breach for you. Do you see him? I believe this church has been called for this time to stand in the breach with Jesus because we see him. For on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat. Do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. Do you see him? Then let's pray. You're sitting in front of him. He's standing before you. He has given everything for you and of your own you have given nothing for him he made you you exist entirely and solely by his grace and when you take from him he gives to you When you take from him, he dies for you. What I mean is that he has forgiven you. I don't care who you are right now. If you're thinking to yourself, there's no way that he forgave me. Stop being so arrogant. Lay down the sin of pride. The Lord God is big enough for you, and he died for you because he adores you. Kurt Cobain, guys on the bus, (laughs) Fred Phelps. See his compassion for you. And now I want you to think of a group or a person that you hate. I mean, that you just really hate. Perhaps they're a person or a group that is self-indulgent, you know? Or perhaps they're a person or a group that's really religious and so they indulge themselves in judging the self-indulgent. And maybe it's you. Maybe you're looking at yourself. But do you see that person that you hate? Is there wickedness there? Oh yeah. Does it need to be destroyed and burned away? Do they need the hell burned out of them? Oh yeah. But have you seen God's compassion for you? Well then right now, would you stand in the breach for them and argue? Right now, in the silence of your own heart, argue for them before God, like Abraham argued for Sodom, and Moses argued for Israel, and Jesus argued for you. Just say, oh, Father, I forgive them. Would you please forgive them? Argue with them. And as you argue and look in his eyes, you'll see that there's really no argument. For your father has been waiting for you to say these words from the foundation of the world. It's His breath in you, Jesus the Christ, in you, the fire in you, for you are His sanctuary. In Jesus' name, receive the fire called Pentecost. It's the Spirit of the Lord and it will flood the earth and it's beginning with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dark cups of wine, light cups of juice, both fire. Come forward, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup and believe the gospel that you might... Be the gospel. And so Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means the church is supposed to storm the gates of hell. What hell? Well, We can't get to the one under the earth. We don't even know exactly what's going on there, but there's hell all around you. in the people around you that are trapped in yourself. And you have been called to storm the gates of hell. And that's what this means. You see, it means that you can walk up to anyone in this city. You can walk up to anyone and you can grab them and you can say, God doesn't hate you. He loves you. Oh yeah, he hates your sin. He's gonna get rid of it, but it's because he loves you. That's the gospel. And when you speak that, you speak fire the fire of God and so believe the gospel and speak the gospel to everyone